Hello, villagers. Today is Friday, November 6th, and we got a good podcast for you today. We'll cover what we consider our games of the week, obviously the heavy hitters. It's a top-heavy week this week in college football. We'll also touch on some NFL and discuss what makes the Masters the Masters. We'll also bring to you a new segment we're calling Almost Shameless that will give you insight to who we think our buffoons of the week will be. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Yo, it's the Village Idiot Podcast. It is Friday, uh, big Friday, got a big weekend in sports. We had a big week week in our country this past week uh, that we're still having. I think we aired on a Earlier, we did our wrestling draft this week on election day and traveling in fucking time. It's still election day, guys. So it's like Groundhog's Day in the country of America where we just can't seem to come to a decision. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting week, busy week for everybody. I know everybody's looking forward to getting on here and getting into the weekend. Um, Weekends don't exist for all of us, but for some of us, it does. Um, when, when you got little ones running around, it never stops. So they're always on duty. Uh, yeah, so that's what we got going on. Jeff, what's going on with you, man? I'm just, you know, on call here for my birthday bonanza weekend, seeing what's uh, – if we're going to have this. I got, a, I got a golf outing tomorrow. I got Notre Dame, Clemson tomorrow night. And I should have Bears, Titans. So we'll see. But that's – that's on hold. So it's birthday bonanza. I actually took off a Saturday at work, which rarely happens unless somebody Damn. gets married. Wait, where somebody dies. <laughs> if if you if they call you and just call me, you know I'm right down the street. I'll go up there and take care of business. It depends on how many cocktails you've had. What time is it? Alabama's off this week, right? Yeah, yeah. It don't matter, dude. I'll just um. I can at least do something inappropriate enough to at least get it shut down for the night. So do you think that, do you think you're one of those guys that would be better off the more lubed up you are for that type of scenario, like save the day scenario? You'd be like, Ooh, wish I had a couple cocktails in me before I attempt this. Well, there's a good chance I have cocktails in me just at any given time. So (laughs) So it's never, it's a matter, there is a fine line with me where I can get perfect and then it goes south real quick. So especially in that kind of scenario, much like uh, what we we were talking about something like that the other day. Oh, I think just like recording when we're doing interviews, like it's like you like to get there, but then it can go south real quick. Um, it, it's a matter of how many I can have and be coherent. So and just not keep drinking all the cocktails I would make. So it's just like beer pong or cornhole. You hit that spot where you're buzzing perfect. You're not thinking about anything. You're just shooting your shots, flipping your bags and everything's going in. And then you win a few games and then you keep drinking, you fall off a cliff and then you can't even hit the board or hit a cup. Same situation. I think it was a precursor to you joining the podcast, Rob, but we actually had this talk about golf and darts, like bar games and pool, that that two to four is that you almost need it to just calm the nerves, get in the zone, find that bullseye, that 20, 
but if you get too many, then it starts getting a little blurry, you know, start missing the board, you know, you're, uh, you're scratching on the, in pool, you know, you, you might miss on the break. You, you barely hit the cue, the cue ball on the break. That's when you're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that double or that shot. Oh so. yeah. Speaking of darts, a couple of years ago, we were out, <laughs> we were out a couple of years ago and I had a long week of work. So I was dragging. So we were out having a few drinks and I was telling my buddy, I was like, man, I'm, I was like, I'm out of it. He's like, you want an Adderall? I was like, sure, I need something. And then he decides he wants to play darts, and we bet $100 on it. And because I took that Adderall, I was just zoned. I played the best game of darts of my life. I just wiped the floor with him and won $100 just quickly. And I'm an okay darts player, but I was just like, it was unbelievable. I was like, man, just uber-focused. No wonder why, you know, these professional athletes really aren't supposed to be taking some of these things because it, they probably would be way more focused than they are just under normal conditions. The, uh, the best, I think my only Adderall story, and it's a doozy, the uh, Bears were playing in Champaign, and it was, I was meeting my buddy who was at the zoo, Kalamazoo. Uh, he's a, we've had some legendary stories I've mentioned before, but he lives in Franklin now, but he was, he was going to Western Michigan. He came down to the game. And I had to go to my like college girlfriend's uh, graduation party. And it was in Terre Haute, Indiana, which was like on the way to Champaign from uh, Carbondale, Illinois. So I've fallen all nighter and I'm just more tired than anything. I was the bartender. I stopped drinking like seven hours before I was leaving, whatever. But everybody got in the hot tub and it just sucked all the life out of me. So the local... You know, our, our resident drug dealer passed me an Adderall and he's like, I got you. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, it worked until about 10 minutes after kickoff in this, I think it was like a Bears Jets game or something. And literally, I was just completely stone cold out. And we were sitting next to my high school football coach of all randomness with his daughters. And he had gone to go get us beers. And he's like, watch my daughters. And I come back and my buddy just elbows me. And he's just like, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, what, what, what? And he's like, good job on the babysitting front there, buddy. <laughs> so that's my one that's my one performance enhancer with Adderall that did not go so well. Well, with that being said, we might have to, we might have to have like a perfect drunkness draft. <laughs> like, like what, what is the, the most perfect drunk? I used to, um, well, I'm not even going to get into that. We'll do that at a different time because uh, we got a lot to cover with college football. I know we got some – some. It, it's actually a very good slate this weekend uh, where um, there's it, – it's top-heavy, I would say. I think the college weekend schedule is very top-heavy. The good games are very good. The bad games are not so good. There is one bad game that is a good game, and we will get to that one because I think – it, it actually might give the people of Nashville something to cheer about because I don't think they're going to have much to cheer about on Sunday or Monday whenever that game happens, Bear Dan. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, big games this weekend. Uh, Rob, what game are you looking most forward to? Well, you know, since I'm in SEC country, I'll take the UGA-Florida game. 
cocktail party. Yeah, I got a rep for the cocktail party. Plus, I I'll let Jeff have the other big game because he has he has somewhat ties to it. He he doesn't want to dive fully in on on the the uh, Golden Domers, but we know we know he really wants to. So, but I'll I'll save that one for him. I'll go uh, UGA Florida. Obviously, huge game, huge rivalry. Probably the biggest rivalry in the SEC East. Um. So, yeah, it, it defines the East every year. You know, usually the team that wins it is going to win the East. Florida whoa, whoa, whoa. Is... We're predominantly broadcasting to Tennessee here, buddy. Are you sure you want to throw that out there? Listen, if it was in 19... Parts of Kentucky. If, if, it was, if it was 1998, I could say that the East goes through Tennessee, Florida, or Georgia. But because it's 2020 and Tennessee hasn't beat one of their rivals in like 14 seasons or whatever it is. I got to, I got to say that, that the East runs through either Gainesville or Athens. So that, so that's my pick, just some quick, quick notes on it that I have that, uh, and then we can kind of discuss as a group. So Georgia, obviously the, the heartbeat of their team is the defensive side of the ball. They got some key injuries this week. Uh, LeCount is out. Big, big time miss right there. He had a motorcycle accident on <laughs> Halloween. Excuse me. That's not funny. But yeah, I saw Richard LeCount. <laughs> I need this kind of information. <laughs> Richard LeCount, he plays safety DB, for Georgia. Yeah, yeah safety. Yeah, great. I saw. I was already I saw, leaning this way. This is the Florida. <laughs> All right, keep going. I saw that he was out. I didn't know why. And then I saw this morning that he, apparently he had a motorcycle accident on Halloween. So I don't know all the details, sure he but that's based. So he's out indefinitely. <clears throat> um, Jordan Davis, who's their big defensive lineman. One of those guys that kind of takes up two offensive linemen, sucks everybody up, gives the linebackers a, a lane to, to hit the ball carrier. He is questionable. So he's Kirby said he's hopeful that he's going to play, but he's questionable. George Pickens, who is out against Kentucky, they're hopeful he's going to play as well. He's their, probably their best receiver, at least their best deep threat. Julian Rochester is out for Georgia as well. He's all, also a defensive lineman. Those are kind of the key injuries there for UGA. I think that's the big thing. Florida really, you know, they had COVID, but they it really gave them time to heal up. So they don't really have any injuries you, to know. I'll tell you what's Florida's biggest weakness. They're Florida. They're Caltrask is Caltrask. Florida is Florida. That's their biggest weakness. And this is the cocktail party that Georgia's pretty much owned for the better part of a decade. Am I right? Georgia has dominated them over the last 10 years. There was that little gap in there, though, when – McIlwain was there. Mm -hmm. Some call him the shark lover. We still don't know <laughs> if that was him or not. McIlwain no was there. Okay. I know. I mean, no, he's a he's an interesting, ridiculous-looking individual. I just don't <laughs> see how there's anybody else that looks that much like him. So I think it was him. When he was there, Georgia was in a little rough patch. It was the end of Rick. So. Florida won some games in there that Florida actually made it to the SEC championship back-to-back -back years and got blown off the map by Alabama in the game. So I don't think anybody remembers that. But other than that, outside of that, Georgia has 
has had the upper hand, I believe, ever since the Tebow era kind of ended in at Florida. So yeah, Georgia the Chris Leak era. The Chris Leak era ended. The Chris Leak slash Tebow. No, I yeah. think in this game has obvious, very large implications in the SEC East. Um, because I, I don't think anybody touches either of these teams after this game. Uh, well, I, I don't. I shouldn't say that because Florida has a tendency to after they drop one or two games, mm-hmm. depending on which way they're going, they mm-hmm. go the extreme that way. So if, I think Florida has a loss already, don't they? Yeah, they lost to A&M, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if they end up with two after this, I hey, Mister SEC over here, <laughs> don't, don't worry, I got you. I'll fact check you too. Okay, Spicoli, I need to play checkers on your hat. You look ridiculous. So, <laughs> but, no it's birthday uh, week. Bite me. <laughs> okay, turn your head around. You're making me have seizures over here. But and it, what I see, I lost my train of thought. But I do want to go to the fact that. College kids should not be having motorcycle accidents on Halloween. Moped. Moped or motorcycle? Motorcycle. Oh, no, they should be having moped. Okay, I got you. No, but that just, that's a very Georgia thing to have happen. (laughs) You know, because there's no telling what was going on up there in Athens. I'm not going to speak too much on it because I don't know the situation. Obviously, I hope the kid's healthy and okay maybe learned a lesson off of it. I don't know, but motorcycle accident on Halloween to me just screams. I'm probably out partying. Football is not my focus, but that kid's a, he's a good football player. So that is a big loss. And honestly, riding your motorcycle on Halloween, selfish move. It's also dangerous. There's little kids out there. We need to be a little more responsible. How about this too? Normally, the cocktail party is on Halloween weekend. Instead, they played Kentucky. Who knows if after the cocktail party, you know, he's um, a little more banged up because it's probably a little physical game and he doesn't feel like riding his motorcycle <laughs> after that. I, w- I would like to know, and I don't know the kid's background or anything like that. I would love to know the making model of the motorcycle when the motorcycle was acquired and where the funds came from the motorcycle. I, I, you know, you're out, Rob. Can't hear you. Everybody home? Everybody home? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear everybody now. We're back. And we're back with the Village Idiot Podcast. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's Florida, Georgia. Uh, Jeff, what what kind of game are you looking forward to? Well, obviously the. I mean, since the Alabama's on a bye, I'll give you Bears Titans. So I'll take the the Notre Dame Clemson game of the year. But I want to get back to if you guys have ever been to the cocktail party because I've always wondered if that's something that should be bucket listed. And then I had a question about that before we. We talk about this the picks later is are they allowing fans in there into that game because i'm i'm curious about that but i actually think that maybe this is the year florida might get them however we got to talk about clemson notre dame so clemson notre dame at notre dame i don't believe that there is any intimidation on an ian book level on a notre dame level 
Um, they've also had the COVID outbreak. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, intangibles that I, I tell people all the time. I think I've talked about it on a previous pod, podcast edition. There is no real normal home field advantage at Notre Dame because it's like Yankee Stadium or Wrigley Field. Um, everybody wants to come to it. It's the Mecca. And they always have, they don't have a, a, a loyal, a lot of season ticket holders. So you have the student section, but you don't have a lot of people that know traditions, you know, on the kickoffs, on the whatever, the third quarter, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know them anymore because it's been so long since I've been to a game. But you don't get, it's kind of a stale atmosphere. I've seen him play, you know, I want to say it was, it was Eric Crouch, uh, number one, Nebraska, went to overtime, but it just never felt, it was filled with Nebraska fans. It was a great game, but you just don't get that, the college football true um, atmosphere, I don't think, at Notre Dame. However, without any fans there, except for students, I've seen some Notre Dame games where I was just like, man, I hope Billy doesn't have to, you know, run into Jake at the water cooler and say, hey, I think I saw your daughter and she looked, you know, she was doing, she was wearing a miniskirt and it was, looked like it was like 45 and she had about 17 cocktails in her, you know, because there, there should be a little bit of a, you know, a good, a good atmosphere for the game. I think that they're, that's six and then it's moving to five. It started out six and a half, seven. I just don't, I don't think that the Notre Dame defense is as good as people think that they are. I think when you give up points to Duke and, you know, teams like Boston College, whatever, like it's, it's, I don't think it's as good as people give it credit for. Um, I honestly, though, do think that Notre Dame covers this game. I just don't know if they're going to outright win it. Um, but I do have a little bit on a future, not much, on Notre Dame plus 3,500 to win the national championship. Just throwing that out there. Because this Never is the year that craziness happened. Yeah. But I still have the last national championship banner. Um, and it's from the 1988 Blue uh team that Tony Rice, you know, that went undefeated. But it was 88. So I don't, I don't know if they're going to get Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. But I think that they could get him. But I think it's going to be a great game. And... Um, not necessarily high scoring because Ian Book's had some weird games, but I do like Ian Book, the competitor. I don't know that he's necessarily clutch. You know, I don't know if he has a clutch gene. I don't know if he has a, a place on the next level, but I think he is a pretty good college football quarterback that will do some things in a tight game and not fold. A la maybe a Kyle Trask that in the, if this goes down to the, the wire in a Georgia Florida game, I almost like the kid that can barely throw on Georgia over Kyle Trask because he's not shown me anything, even though they have him projected in the latest thing about a, a, the 15th pick. And I think they have the, Mac Jones going to the Bears in my latest mock draft at about 18. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you. So that's my, that's my Notre Dame scenario uh, in a nutshell. So you guys, you guys can add to that. I'll go. I think it'll be a pretty good game. Your, to your point about the, the fans, I mean, we saw Georgia, we saw the Georgia fans take Notre Dame over. Well, I don't know at this point, I think it was three years ago, four years ago. So to your point, during normal conditions, Notre Dame, not much of a home field advantage. I think that that place looked like it was 
60, 70% UGA that year. I had, I had a friend that went and he said it was just all red. So good point there. But I think without, without the normal attendance, it will probably be partisan Notre Dame. How much effect they'll have on the game. I'm not sure just because there won't be a ton of people in there. I will say even with 20% or however many, because I went to the Alabama Georgia game and, there were 20% fans in there. It still got pretty loud at moments. So you're still, you still got to think 20,000 people can make a decent amount of noise. So it'd be interesting to see that. I, I don't think Clemson is really, these are the type of regular season games Clemson lives for because the ACC schedule is so easy that when they do get a Notre Dame or, you know, maybe like when they played Miami this year, everybody was talking about, Oh, is Miami pretty good this year can they give Clemson a game I just think these are the kind of games that Dabo lives for and he's you know say what you will about him uh, I think he's a little cheesy and whatnot but he can get these guys motivated so I think from a Clemson perspective without Trevor Lawrence I still think you're going to get their best shot without a doubt and I'll give my pick later because this is one of the games we're gonna we're gonna pick but I just see I'm just, I just can't believe in Notre Dame fully until I actually witness them win a huge game when it not, you know, for me, after the age of me being 10 years old. And I'm 35, and I feel like they haven't won a big game. And, you know, you said they won a national championship in 88. They were still pretty, pretty relevant in the – or really relevant in the early to mid-'90s. But it's just I feel like I haven't watched them win a big game that really means something. Um, they did get kind of screwed Damn. that year against USC with the Bush push, but you know, either way, I just got to see it. I just got to see it. Uh, for me, I don't think the home field advantage matters that much. Uh, to to your comment, Rob, I think also 20% and seeing 25% and watching these SEC schools as opposed to the other ones around the country shows a massive discrepancy in the educational system in America and people being able to tell what 25% actually is. Because apparently 25% at Texas A&M means mm -hmm. 89,000 fans. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would say Georgia, if they're doing 25% at UGA, they're doing it better than anybody. Because it, even when you're watching UGA on TV, it feels like, it doesn't feel like it's a 25% game. But at Notre Dame, and another thing I think is interesting hearing you call it the Mecca, Jeff, is the, the discrepancy in a SEC football's fan of, of what the Mecca of college football is in a, uh, a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> no, it's not a Notre Dame fan. It's it's a Yankee. Like yeah, it's north, of the Mason, north of the Mason-Dixon line, it's absolutely the Mecca. The big house – um, so you're, you're talking about maybe state college, but more, more like the big house and state pin and Notre Dame and South Bend, Indiana. Those are the Mecca's. This is got the college football hall of fame, dude. It's not, I'm just telling you it's, it's the Mecca, <laughs> you know, the grotto. It's the Mecca. I mean, we, Jesus. It's the Mecca. It's okay. It, you know, you can dispute Alabama national to, championships, but they, and they have not been relevant in a long time and they're educational standards are much more stringent. I've had some family members that went there and like, you're talking about math, you know, 
Oh, I don't you know. Just have, you just have to have a heartbeat <laughs> to get in some of these SEC schools. But however, there are some Big Ten schools and some schools up there that you need to get about an 18 to get in, in <laughs> an ACT to get into. So I will not. But that was always the thing with Lou Holtz and recruiting at Notre Dame. Can he can he get he could get the kids, but could they get into Notre Dame? He could get them to go to Notre Dame, but could they actually get in where they qualifiers? So that's you know that's it wasn't a a it's a thing. It wasn't a shot. It was simply pointing out the discrepancy, and I wouldn't call Alabama's or I wouldn't call Brian Denny that if I was talking. In the South, I'm I'm definitely talking about LSU. If I'm picking mm-hmm. one down here, yeah. um, but no, uh, I think Clemson is or there the cocktail any, party. I want to yeah, go to the cocktail yeah. party, like you said. Is there any chance that Clemson is looking at this game as kind of a freebie because they don't have Trevor Lawrence? Because because no they way. can they can drop this game and then have the excuse we didn't have Trevor Lawrence and they get to play him again with Trevor Lawrence is, is I'm not saying it is, but is that a possibility? I don't think that is a freebie. <laughs> Dabo is not going to let them, let them do that. He, Dabo will preach perfection. He wants to go undefeated. He's going to have them wanting to go undefeated. And how good is their resume going to look if they, because the other games they play are so weak, but if you start to look at their resume, Miami's probably going to win the rest of their games or at least maybe only drop one game. So they're, they're going to be a fringe top 10. So they're going to have that win against Miami. And then if they can have two wins against Notre Dame, obviously if Clemson goes undefeated, two they're wins. in no matter what. <laughs> but if you have, you know, if, if the only two games Notre Dame loses all year to Clemson, they're going to be a top 10 team. So you're going to look at Clemson having three top 10, top 10 wins when everything stacks up and shakes out for the playoff. I think that looks, you know, bodes much better for them as far as getting the overall number one seed. Cause I feel like the overall number one seed is going to be up in the air this year more than it has been in years past, just because it's kind of more eye test this year than, you know, everything else. Because some of these teams, like Ohio State, is only going to play eight games. You got Pac-12 teams that are only going to play six, maybe, which I don't even think they should be allowed to get in only playing six games because that's literally half a season, really. So, to me, the eye test is going to be more than anything this year, depending on how the seeding goes out. And I think if Clemson can – they dominated Miami. If they can, you know – look powerful I won't say dominate because I don't think they're going to absolutely destroy Notre Dame even if they win both of these games but if they can look like the better team and win both of the games against Notre Dame I think that kind of cements them as the number one seed because Alabama's played their big game already really their two big games at this point they blew out A&M and they kind of pulled away from Georgia in that game those are going to be the two highest ranked teams they play LSU is not a factor this year Auburn is obviously hit or miss, but the game's in Tuscaloosa this year, so that usually bodes well for Alabama. So Alabama's tough games are basically over with. Ohio State has already played their toughest game. Michigan, we don't know what they are. They're the same old Michigan. So I think if Clemson can have a top-10 win against Miami and two top-10 wins against Notre Dame, their their driver's seat for for the uh, number one seed, which 
whoever's the number four, because you, you got to think two, three is going to be Ohio State, Alabama. They're going to beat each other up. Clemson's going to get to play whoever gets in there at the four slot and probably have, you know, I think it's a big advantage to be the one seed this year. So I, I don't know if Rob understood what we were talking about because we're saying that you can absolutely lose, but I'm, I think you're right. Dabo Sweeney is not going to take that angle, but they can abs- absolutely lose this game and still make the playoff. No, I, I think they would still be, even if Notre Dame kind of works them and wins this game by 10 points, which I don't think anybody in the right mind thinks is going to happen. They would still be favored in the ACC championship game mm-hmm. in a rematch with T law at the home. I don't think there's any, anybody in Vegas that would not list them as a favorite with T law. However, I think that if they do lose this game without Trevor Lawrence, they can kiss the number one seed probably goodbye if Alabama runs the table, it's, which I expect them to do. I think there's no way you can make them the number one seed if they lose even without Trevor Lawrence. But I, I absolutely think that there will be a rematch if Notre Dame wins this. I don't know how it plays out if Notre Dame loses this game. I don't agree with you. I think Miami's going to lose another game maybe this week at NC State. I don't think Miami's as good as people are as – I don't even think anybody really thinks there's that many good teams anyways. So anybody can lose. I think that the Pac-12 is like the Big 12 lately. They're going to, they eat their own, even in a six game slate. I think then, and nobody was highly regarded. You had Oregon and USC, the only teams in the top 25. I don't think that they're even a factor in the, in the, the playoff. I think that you have possibility because of the coronavirus of Notre Dame and Clemson getting in. And the way that that happens is Notre Dame wins this game maybe I think they just have to win this game and then they have to make a play them close. And then you get, as long as Ohio state runs the table, you, but you're going to get one big 10 team. And I think you depend on who wins this cocktail party. I think that if Georgia wins and Georgia gets blown out by Alabama, then there will be one sec team. You know, if Georgia loses again to Al- to Alabama, there will be one sec team. I think either way, if whoever wins the cocktail party, if they get blown out in an SEC title game by Alabama, if that's the way it happens, which I fully expect it to happen this year, then I think the SEC gets one team because of this Clemson deal with the coronavirus and T-Law on playing. That's, that's the scenario that the ACC maybe gets two in and Notre Dame gets in. Not probably going to win the national championship and me collect my plus $3,500 uh, wager, but they might get in as the four seed. That's my take. No, and that's just me playing devil's advocate. I think there is a possibility that Notre Dame sees this as an opportunity to say we can definitely pick them off this time uh, without Trevor Lawrence playing. But but who knows? I, I, I don't expect Notre Dame to win. I, that's not who I'm picking. But, it you know, just throwing it out there, it, it does have the feeling of kind of a freebie game, but Dabo is arguably – He's right there at the top of best coaches in America. So I don't think he allows that. Um, moving on. Guess, oh, go ahead, Rob. I guess my my point was, and that would be the last point we can move on. Since probably a little bit before Deshaun Watson, any big game that Clemson's had, they have never come into it and, been, and, and played down. Yes, they've played down against inferior ACC competition, but – They've just never played down when they have a quote unquote big game in the, you know, since 
I guess, 2012, 13, 14. So I just don't see I, – I feel like they live for these games because they have to play Boston College and Georgia Tech. Sorry, Mills Brothers. And, you know, teams like that all year. So when they get a game like this, they're like, this is our time to go out here and show everybody that we're still the best team in the nation. No, I, I agree with you there. That, that was my point. Like, the playing devil's advocate, does this take – does Trevor Lawrence playing take the allure out of this game because we can say our, our guy didn't play? Does it make it less of a big game in their head? And to what you're saying, I don't think Dabo allows that to happen. Um, but I play devil's advocate on your devil's advocate. <laughs> Maybe those guys want to say, you know what, we can – beat the shit out of Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence. No, you're Might absolutely have a little chip right. on their shoulder. Hey, man, somebody's got to host the show. So, <laughs> so, you know, somebody's got to get the takes out there. I'm with you. I agree. I, I think Clemson might possibly just steamroll them, if you want to know the truth. Uh, Etienne might have 2,000 yards on Saturday. <laughs> Who knows? But I do have, uh, that. I do have that in, plus 4,000 for the Heisman. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, not if Mac Jones keeps on his run. No, nah, he was like plus 150. It wasn't even worth looking at. Um, so moving on, Boise State, BYU. I, I think I think you're going to see some points in that game for sure. Uh, they're playing on the blue turf. You know, Not easy. Not, not easy. Not easy. You don't get rich off betting against Alabama, and you don't get rich off betting against the blue turf. <laughs> They've had way too much success at that home stadium to be as small of a school as they are against big competition. This is a huge game for BYU because it gives them good competition, just like to your same as your Clemson point. This, this gives them a chance to show off a little. How do we see that one going, fellas? Uh, Jeff, start with you. I mean, I think that this kid, we, I don't know who we were, who are we comparing to um, Johnny Manziel earlier this year, but I like this BYU guy, this gunslinger. He's it's short. <laughs> Is it, or were we, comp- no, I don't know. There was somebody, there was a Johnny Manziel comparison. I can't remember who it was, but I like this kid. Maybe we were talking about this kid. He, he just slings it around. They have on the, the mock draft that I saw on Bleach Report, they had him going like number 10. I don't even think he's like he's like four eleven, but it's it's gonna be a shootout. I'm I took Boise State in the parlay, straight out the money line. I don't even think I took the points. Uh, it's three and a half. Maybe I took the points, but that blue turf is a real thing, and it's not something to be you know taken lightly. And I know nothing about this game other than watched a couple of drives of this kid on BYU. However. Look out. This is Jeff's upset special. Other than my Liberty, Virginia Tech. I love it. Liberty love at it. Virginia Tech. That's my other one that, that could, could uh, pay for some bills uh, pretty quick because I loaded up on my two upset specials are Liberty and uh, and Boise State covering the three and a half. But I, like I said, I don't know anything. I don't think this is going to matter, but I've, I have a feeling that this, like usual, it usually weeds out the the herd and the the BYU case is blown. Cincinnati's going to lose. Their case is going to get blown. I have a feeling there's just too many imperfections when you're that when you're not a power five school and something bad happens and you don't. It's just it's not sustainable for the full you know 13 games now. You're going to lose a game, and I think that this is the game that BYU loses. So that's my that's my uh, 
infinite words of wisdom there on this one. Blue turf. That's worth like that's worth like a six point home field advantage at least. Maybe a it, touchdown. It has don't you think? Historically, it has yeah. been historically. Rob, what do you think, man? Yeah, I'll have to admit, as as Jeff did, that I haven't <laughs> watched a ton of of either one of these teams. I'm excited that it's prime time tonight. I'm an, I'm fully intending on watching the whole game because I do want to I do want to see both teams play a full game. Boise has only played two games this year. And um, they've pretty much dominated in both of them. So it'll be interesting, but obviously less of a body of work than, than BYU. BYU's pretty much shellacked every team they've played. So it'll be interesting. I think also, I think a lot of points, like Jeff said, the blue turf is, is obviously a factor. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that it, that it isn't. I just, uh, with, the, with the spread being so low, in my opinion, I'm going to – go with BYU and, and lay the points even in despite of the blue turf, just because we've got, we've got more body of work from BYU, BYU putting up 500 yards of offense and only allowing just under 300. I'm looking at it now, Boise's Boise's given up some yards. Uh, shockingly enough though, Boise has given up a ton of yards on the ground. I think that's because they played air force though the last game. So that could be deceiving either way. You've got BYU who's doing it through the air and Boise who's really given up more uh, yards on the ground. Again, I think it's skewed, but they've only given up 80 passing yards. So they, they played Utah state game one, I guess Utah state just didn't do anything. And then you have the air force stats skewing it, but yeah, I'm going to go with BYU. I think Blue turf comes into play, keeps the game close. I think if the game was at BYU, BYU wins by a touchdown at least, probably. So yeah, let's see what let's see what Wilson's got with BYU. I'll lay the points, and I'm I'm excited to watch it. No, I'm like you. I think both these teams historically are teams that you kind of know what you're getting. You, I, I mean. Their, their programs, no matter who's coaching, whatever, who's in, who's in the driver's seat behind center, BYU's always going to put up a ton of points. Boise State's going to always have some kind of gimmick or something. Like they're, they're both fun teams to watch, and it's awesome to see them each get a primetime spotlight. I don't – Boise State, like you said, has two, two games under their belt. And I think in these times – because you're not practicing all the time either. So, so it, it's better to be battle tested like a BYU, what, whether they've had competition or not. You can look at all those games as just full on scrimmages if you want to. But so I, I, I think BYU probably takes it. And they do have an excellent quarterback. So we'll see. Um, they've also got a team full of 25 or 26 year old adults let's not forget about <laughs> yeah, you're, that you're telling you're you're playing grown men in their prime in the prime of their life who who have you want to talk about athletic training when you walk the streets or ride bicycles for hundreds of miles over what is it two years it's a two-year mission yeah i mean you're going to be in phenomenal shape it, it, people think that taking the two years off and not playing sports is not beneficial. I've seen some of these Church of Latter-day Saints guys out here in the streets. They're animals. They're animals. It's like sending them 
to boot camp for two years. They just they just huff it. They eat rice and fish all the time, and then they they ride fucking bicycles and go door to door. And they're not scared of rejection. You can't tell me BYU scared of losing, scared of failing. They get rejected every day. Relentless. Yeah, I mean the persistence of the Church of Latter Day Saints is phenomenal. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to get deep into religion talk, but, you know, they had a leader in Joseph Smith. That guy was walking in the Rockies one day, and Jesus Christ himself just came down and decided to have a hike with him. Yeah, I mean, you got to be willing to believe if you're one of these guys. I probably just lost some some support from, <laughs> from the Mormon community, not that I had much. A story about uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints one time. I think you might have actually been with me. <laughs> Somebody was with me at uh, the house I grew up in back in Georgia and a couple church, a letter. Sorry, Jeff, you left this thing, took a turn. Uh, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> were, you, were you talking about Sean Bradley uh, walkabouts? No, no, we're talking the about the two-year training program. Yeah, with the, Mormon the Sean church. Bradley walkabout, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the and I see it as an athletic training program, but somebody... A couple of them came to our house back in Georgia, and my neighborhood is full of hills, and we lived in the back, and these guys were animals. They were hiking, biking, everything to get to the house. They come up, they say, hey, have you ever heard of the Church of Latter-day Saints? I said, hey, do you know Jimmer for debt? And they said no, and I said, well, we don't need to spend time talking then, because if, if you're not if you're not hanging with the Mormon Mormon Megalodon, I, I got nothing to hear from you, you know? So, uh, but yeah, the training take, program. I don't want to hear about John Smith and his, and your illustrious and, and table full of wives. Yeah. <laughs> and his hike. I mean, it, it doesn't sound bad, but uh, uh, we're not going to get too deep into religion talk, but I think the training program that the Church of Latter-day Saints has put forth in secret because they put it off like a mission and all that, but you're just hiking and living off the land for two years. Then you come back to college and you're just a hardened beast. Like, like that's, that's why they're so good at sports. There's, there's no argument for that. That's right. And they're, they're clearly in God's favor too. So you just got to take that into consideration as well. Did they not have a, um, a heavy Polynesian, does it seem like there's a Polynesian pop pipeline? Yeah, BYU, all of those. They do, right? Yeah, Utah and Utah. BYU both uh-huh. have heavy, heavy um, Polynesian Samoan. I believe Utah uh, pipeline as well. I mean, that's a great recruiting tactic. Somewhere, you know, where they had they used the book of uh, the Book of Mormon to to their advantage in football recruiting. Not so much basketball, but football recruiting, there has been a pipeline that would make, you know, even the most zealous, hardened recruiters jealous. Yeah, I don't think the Polynesian community cares as much about basketball as they do football. That fight dance does not translate on the hardwood. It Mm -hmm. definitely only makes sense when you're playing football. Um, but Translates in the trenches for sure. Yeah, you know, you got your Roman Reigns of the world, the rock, you know, that's Moana I, I forgot the king's name you know you know who is a, a gentle giant king Maui. um that I believe is a Mormon Tony Finau Tony Finau yeah, is he went to Utah, a Mormon 
Oh, he's from Utah. Yeah. I think he's a Mormon. He also just, I love Tony Finau. He just mm-hmm. can't seem to get it done. And one well, of let's the- segue into the Masters talk. Let's do a little quick Masters talk and we'll wrap it up with, with NFL and do our picks. I like it, Jeff. So, Masters in November, are the Azaleas going to be in full bloom? Yes. There um, is- they are. Yeah, if there's no frost, one, if there is one organization or club or anything that will spend the money to make it exactly the same as it always is, it will be Augusta. They they they're not gonna. Their reputation is way too important to them. There's no telling what they'll have to do. There'll be people working around the clock. The the frost. Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin are going to be in the biodome, making sure that every that every azalea leaf is meticulously cared for. Awesome we're looking at. Awesome reference. <laughs> great movie. They'll use that would be great to, to walk to a, cl- a club and see Polly Shore as the <laughs> superintendent of the golf course. Wheezing the juice. Yeah. To, to Stu's point. They'll do whatever they can to to make it look as aesthetically pleasing as possible, and and try to keep it as usual. I mean, they've done anything to you know. There's all the rumors. Do they spray paint the grass to make it look a little greener? Do they put something yes. in the in the in the lake or the water's holes to make the the water look a little bluer? So they'll they'll be ready, man. That place makes so much money and has so much money in the pipeline where they can keep that course looking immaculate. I'm interested on the flowers, though. We we're in that period here in Georgia where it's one day it's and I'm sure it might be the same for you guys Mm -hmm. as well, although you probably have a little bit cooler. But one day like we had a frost. It was either Monday into Tuesday or Sunday into Monday where we had a frost and I woke up and it was, you know, 40 degrees outside, 35 degrees. But then yesterday, when I'm out there schlepping this dining room set back to my house from Alpharetta, it's 70 degrees and I'm sweating my ass off. So we're in that mode there where, you know, I don't know. I'm not a green thumb, so I don't know what it would take to to make those plants look as vibrant and alive as they normally do. But if anybody can do it, you know, it'll be, it'll be the grounds crew at Augusta. Well, and I don't think... I don't think you can say they're above if a plant has frost on it. Somebody going out there and digging it up at 3 a.m. in the morning before the thing starts and putting a fresh one down. Like I, I think Augusta's right there. Um, and My I brother said that they, they purposely put all the wrappers are green so that if you throw the trash on the ground, no one can see the trash on TV. But I think that it's going to be interesting to see if they, what's the stent meter on the greens? Is it going to be a little slower? Cause you gotta, you gotta think if you shave those greens to what they're normally at Augusta, like glass, you get a frost. Can you lose? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, playing 18 on it and then rolling up a doobie. I don't know what <laughs> we're, you, what we're working with over there. Uh, Caddyshack style. What kind of There's, hybrid we're, what kind of hybrid we're working on? I don't know. I have all the faith in the world that there's no telling they could have installed heaters under the greens. Mm-hmm. There's no telling what the just for this year, probably. Is. No, I, and, I, and I don't I think it's underestimated and people don't realize a lot of people who aren't from around the area what that mm-hmm. tournament means to 
Augusta as a city and the amount of money that it puts into it. And, and Rob can attest to this. If it's not master's time, you don't want to be in Augusta. No, Waffle houses and <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. not. It's John not Daly books, like John awesome Daly book show. signings, John mm-hmm. Daly book signings at the Hooters and, and a couple of late night Waffle House meals. Yeah, it's it's not like an awesome city. And they missed out on this past one, um, whether it's delayed, whatever, what have you. And these businesses, everything, Augusta is the pillar of that community. The Masters is the pillar of that community. So they have an entire city that's relying on them to do the job right and get it done. And they come through time after time. And whether you agree with their, um, you know, their, their stands on some of the other stuff they do, they're, they're geniuses when it comes to their job. That's why a little club in Augusta has become just the mecca, so to speak, for golf. Like, it, I got um, no reason anything in Augusta should ever be the most important thing in any sport, but they found a way to do it. I got the next draft for next week. And it's, or we could do a master's theme draft, but I, we got to do a draft and it's the bucket list, sports bucket list, you know, like a master's Kentucky Derby. That's a good draft because you can be stealing people's, you got to have yeah. some draft prep. You got to have a big board for that, you know? So that's a good one. We're going we're gonna to come back to that one. That's, I like that one a lot. I don't know if I was ever done that, but I like it. I'm not going like to give you any more, I'm not going to give you any more picks either. <laughs> I know you guys are like, wow. You know, after that Val Venus and the Ted DiBiase, you're like, hey, this guy's, you know. Which I did correct. Like diamonds so, in the rough. I did correct so Venus is smelled, spelled like penis, Jeff. Just, <laughs> just, Very important. <laughs> so that's out there. I drafted him wrong, though. He should have been best promo because that was the best storyline when they would we cut to the locker room and he'd be making out with somebody's manager, like whoever the, <laughs> you know, or like the – Tori Wilson or whatever, whoever the wrestler was, and he's just Deborah got a towel on. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. actually the best, was the was the storyline with that. The the soap opera, the, the porn soap opera. <laughs> soap I would also soap. like to see a soundtrack draft. I think that could be fun. Movie yeah, we said that. Tracks. I'm down with that. All right, so then we get to the NFL. And the No Fun League is starting to shut down. They're talking about a 16-team playoff because they've realized that they already, with the Valvinus reference, blew their load and they've rescheduled <laughs> everything so much that they cannot do any logistically reshuffling. They're like Wisconsin's football team right now. They're just shut down and they're not going to have a season probably because there is nowhere to go and there is an outbreak. Everyone from John Elway and his probably a whole his used car empire staff all have it now too in Denver and the Bears, the 49ers got obliterated and they already had a zillion injuries. Just like they shouldn't even have played. I loaded up on that mm-hmm. and just it was the safest money I've seen in a while. And then there's, you know, just these little smatterings all over the place. But we got two big games. One near and dear to our heart happens once every eight years. I was there eight years ago. It was glorious. And it was kind of like a, almost like a pseudo Erlacher retirement party. I remember we had a pick six where I think if you timed him, it took about half of a quarter for him to score. And he, he never hit more than like three miles an hour at top speed. When they show it on those like ESPN sports science, he might've maxed out about three and a half miles an hour, but he had a pick six 
they had a bunch of turnovers. It was uh, Cuddy Stark thrown to Brand- to B Marsh like like he always did. They had a huge day, and then the Bears fans drank Broadway out of beer, which I didn't participate in because I had to get back to Illinois. So I hustled back to my to uh, back towards Clarksville where I was staying uh, for the night. But I had a good time. There was about seventy thousand. Bears fans and three Titans fans, which was the three Titans fans that existed eight years ago, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And then now we're going to have about 8,000 fans, but I don't feel like it's going to have this big Bears presence. And I honestly, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. I would just, I think part of me thinks that the Bears can't score enough with the Titans. Part of me thinks that Derrick Henry's from what I saw in that Rams game where the linebackers were just getting run over, the pile was going the wrong way. I don't think this Bears defense is as good as people think they are. And But the general public is always like, yeah, the Bears defense, though, they'll keep it in the game. I don't necessarily buy that. And I, you know, short of Anthony Miller having a career day, we might need that to I – I don't, I don't see this game as necessarily – I don't feel great about this game. But I, I can't get a good feel for this team this year anyway. So I have no general consensus. And Stu and I were talking about Mitch plays one play last week. <laughs> just, when, just, when the, just when the bring Mitch back starts gaining momentum, you know, it, it's quickly put to bed because he gets hurt on the one stupid read option play shoulder that he runs. Injury. Yeah, shoulder injury. And then they don't trade him. So now he's just yeah no I, I, he's coming he's going to play again in a meaningful game and I think he might this this might be the storyline of 2020 over the election is Mitch Trubisky leads the Bears to the <laughs> 2020 2021 Super Bowl and it's the greatest comeback story it's going to be <laughs> Disney movies made for it there's going to be books written. Brian just a love fest yes brian song too yes. <laughs> all of that oh so man. that's my that's what i hope i'm with you i don't I, I don't feel good about this this particular maybe it's a rematch though of super bowl rematch preview. i think you definitely have to go the under in this game right i, I don't know it's really low though it's tempting i might it, tease it what's it like 48 or something um i thought it was 46 and a half but it's not as high, or it's not as low as you. Uh, look, they both Titans can score. You know, now they they can score. And I think they will score. I think this game they're going to score at will, and I don't see that the Bears can score with them, and that's why I don't think this ends well. I don't even know if the Bears cover. Tough look but... for a Bears fan right now, Jeff. Tough look. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's just, it's just not, and it's my birthday week, you know, and they only play once every eight years here, 46 and a half. We got to get your birthday vibes back up, man. It's, um, it's, well, they're going to come, you're going to see, you guys, you guys are hating on the Irish and <laughs> I am about to go full on, full bore. Cause I really think the Irish have a shot at this one. So that's probably going to be the highlight of the weekend. It's the, Irish game. I know it's not going to be my golfing on tomorrow because I haven't played in five months, but it's a scramble. So, well, let's we'll get an right. outside perspective. What do you think, Rob? 
With these two teams, I mean, it's a complete toss-up. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Bears are five and three against the spread this year. Titans are two and five. So six and a half. I kind of get the feeling it's going to be a closer game, but you do have, you know, shout out some people. I think Rico Bosco says <laughs> if you can get it, if you can get it, you know, under a football number then it's a good bet. So you're looking at, you know, it's at six and a half right now. So if you think, if you think the uh, Titans can, can win by a TD and an extra point, you, you got a, you got an in there. Um, Not the extra also, point, the TD. Yes. But I feel like they'll miss the extra point. <laughs> right. Yeah. We know Goskowski's had his struggles this season, so that's not out hall of, of possibility. He's, he's definitely a hall of fame kicker, but he's, He's almost – it'll be interesting to see if he can resurrect his career kind of like Vinatieri did. I think Vinatieri had a rough year, um, either his last year with the Patriots or maybe his first year with the Colts. Everybody thought he was done, and then he came back and had four or five more strong seasons. So it'll be interesting to see if this is just a, a rough patch for Goskowski and he figures it out or if he's, if he's done. I, but I, I think – I mean, in this one, I think the NFL is so weird. You think you have something, and six and a half is a large spread for the NFL, in my opinion. So I would probably just take the points and think that the Bears could keep this close with their with their defense. Maybe hold Henry down for a little while, and then hopefully they can move the ball in the Titans' defense. Who really they were really good last year, and this year they've got they've definitely got some. Uh, chinks in the armor so i think it'll be a close game i'm i would take the bears with the points just because it's a, a pretty big spread you know it, it's tough because Tannehill has quietly become like one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl um then you got derrick henry who's just an unstoppable force and you would think the bears with the khalil mack and the hakeem hicks or, or you, you would think even eddie jackson back there Eddie Jackson knows Derrick Henry at least. Maybe he'll be a little less terrified of him, um, but that hasn't seemed to help across. It's, the not, field. So, it's not Eddie Jackson; it's the linebackers. Roquan yeah. Smith and Danny Trevathan have played like shit this year. Last week, and I don't was get Roquan's it. first good game. Yeah, he had a good game last week. I agree. Better than yeah, he looked good last week. Trevathan made a nice uh, tackle in the backfield to to get the ball back. I think in the fourth quarter as well. well the fourth so. and one. Yeah. But yeah. they just looked like – I mean, they looked like garbage on, on that Sunday night game – or Monday night game against the Rams. I mean, I, I was watching some of those where they were just getting run over by, like, Daryl Henderson or whoever they – Malcolm Brown. And then the line was – Akeem Hicks is getting blown up. You know, Yeah, like, it was a tough look. Like, it was bad. It was the bad. good thing is, I believe, and I heard it on the Redline Radio podcast this week, that – because they had Taylor Lewan and Will Compton on there to cover the week. And I think Will Compton said he's playing Khalil Mack on practice squad. So mm -hmm. the good thing is the line hasn't had anything to prepare for because Will Compton <laughs> is not a comparable Khalil Mack. So, How about so. that? Like I, could, I was looking at like futures and stuff for MVP, you know, like updated future um, – odds and stuff and Cleo Max still shows up on NFL MVP odds like right with like Tannehill and it's mm -hmm. like like plus 10,000 or whatever it is but I'm like he has not done anything in two years I don't feel like I to justify what he's to justify I oh, know they paid 
Robert Quinn, and he hasn't done really anything either. He did all right the first three, two, three games. He's getting some pressures. But you're, I mean, you guys are, if you get a million dollars a game, you better get a, a sack a game or at least have a couple tackles for loss. Cause like these it. two guys, these two bookend, you know, edge rushers for the Bears have not pulled their weight because it all starts with the pressure from the front, you know, from the front four, from the, you get pressure from the front seven and they do not have blitzing linebackers. You know, those middle linebackers are not, those are coverage that, you know, they can get after, they can cover the sidelines. But if you want Eddie Jackson to ball hawk, if you want Kyle Fuller to ball hawk, they got this kid, Jalen Johnson, that's, I like him. Uh, He wears Chucky Tillman's number. We'll see if he has a big game um, this weekend. Uh, he'll probably get AJ Brown a lot, but uh, but yeah. So they they basically aren't creating any pressure, and I don't blame the secondary for anything this year. I blame the linebackers, and I blame those those two twenty million dollar almost a year edge rushers because they're not getting the job done. And this is obviously a team. Like we said, short of an Anthony Miller career day and a Allen Robinson having 20 catches for 112 yards, like he always does, they cannot do a lot on offense. So they need the defense to create turnovers. And I just don't, I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you. And that, let's, let's steer away from the Bears and the Titans because I think we could spend all day talking Bears yeah. talk. Um the other game that we wanted to look at was Bucks Saints. Uh, battle of two old quarterbacks, uh, but you know, both uh, Tom Brady's a lot less washed than I would say Drew Brees is. Drew Brees's arm it looks horrendous now. It it, it doesn't get so down. gets it done though. Yeah, so it's it just it six yard dump off to Alvin Kamara, and Alvin Kamara. Is so good. <laughs> he is just unstoppable. He's he remind he's like a newer, newer school version of Barry Sanders to me. Like he's Barry Sanders implemented in today's game, if that makes sense. Or where it's just dump offs and it, it, he's so freaking elusive. It, it's it's insane to me. So what do you guys think about that one? How do you see that going, Robbo? Yeah. Kamar reminds me of Chris Johnson when he was had those two or three years yeah. of his prime. Dangerous as hell, catching the ball out of the backfield and just knows you know, If you hit him a hole, if you gave him a hole and he hit the hole, he was gone. Those those two seasons he had in a row. That's who he kind of reminds me of. I like the Bucks in this game. I think it's uh, four and a half. I think these teams already played earlier in the season in mm-hmm. the Super Game Dome one. The, yeah. And the Bucks won that game, right? I think it was a pretty close game, but I think the Bucks won. I like the Bucks here. I think they have more more of a complete team. I think that the Bucks defense, to Stu's point, the Saints have kind of become, you know, dump off city with Breeze and Kamara. He doesn't. He averages six yards a pass. Most of the time, he's throwing it for four yards, and you know, Kamara's making it. You know, making it work after that. And they don't really, and also, you know, this isn't a knock against Breeze. I mean, Michael Thomas hasn't played in weeks. I don't know what's going on with him. Emmanuel Sanders has been out. They really don't have anybody to stretch the field to to even try to do that. So I just think with that being said, 
Saints offense kind of trying to run the dump off game. I think that that fits well with what the Bucks defense is good at. So I, I think that they've got a lot of linebackers that can run sideline to sideline, track guys down. I think if the Bucks are susceptible anywhere, it's in the secondary. And I just don't see the Saints being able to to stretch the field and, and really expose that. So I like the Bucks. I think, you know, Bucks Bucks offense is really having a lot of uh, success lately throwing the ball. And I think that's where the Saints defense is susceptible. So I'll go with Brady and the Bucks you know, covering that spread, maybe winning by a touchdown, being able to throw the ball. looks like Gronkowski's getting more involved in the passing game in the past few weeks. Mike Evans is a monster. We'll see if Antonio Brown plays this week. That'll, that'll be interesting. And then I don't know if Chris Godwin's going to play. He broke his finger a couple weeks ago. They did surgery on it, and they said he might play. So I'll take the Bucks in that one. I just think they're a better team. And they don't rely as much on the run as other teams do. And that's where the Saints defense is really strong. So I'll just take the Bucs. I think they're just overall a better team. Do they not rely on the run or are they not very good at running? <laughs> I'm not sure what the, what the answer to that is. But I I kind of feel it going the same way. I don't know. I maybe do the money line on that. But they actually did lose the game one at the Dome. Okay. okay. So the Saints won 34-17. Um, but they... I agree with you. The Saints are kind of mulling around and don't have a lot of weapons at their disposal right now. Um, besides Alvin Kamara, left, right, and then threw in a little don't call me Mitch Trubisky, Taysom Hill, you know, gadget yeah. plays, Swiss Army knife plays. But the uh, Bucks are playing pretty well. I don't know, Stu. I wanted to hand this one off to you. Do you think that the Antonio Brown thing is a bad thing to add to the, is that a bad spice to add to this little stew they've yes, got going is. on? Cause they were going, Especially fi- Gronk was finally <laughs> getting the ball and doing some things, you know, Godwin's hurt. Evans were hurt. They were never everybody playing, but he loves the little Scotty Miller guy. They like, they do, they've got a lot of things going. Ronald Jones Jr. Run the ball. Okay. You know, they abandoned the four nothing, but they I don't even know if they needed to add this. But the other thing I want you guys to to kind of go at was is watching Belichick at the end of the game lose after they lost. And it's pretty much evident that this is over the season. It was kind of like, eh, you know, I don't know exactly the dynamics of all that. Who did what? You know, who said I'm the alpha male? You can get the hell out of here. But I kind of felt like Brady felt kind of like the old Jordan leaving the bowl. Gary Krause was like beating his chest and Jordan's like, no, it's my team. And then Brady's like, all right, I'll go over here and do my own thing. Fuck off. And that's kind of, it'll be interesting. It's going to be only like a two, two, three year window that Brady has, but this is kind of fascinating TV to, to watch the soap opera that is, you know, the hooded one on one side, and then Brady, who I don't normally like, but I kind of I kind of side with him on this one. That's just my take. I definitely like post Patriots Brady a whole lot more than mm-hmm. I like Patriots Brady. Um, but I do think adding Antonio Brown into this mix is a tough look, especially this week. And we learned why last week in the Bears game because that little what's his name Gardner Henderson that Javon Wims beat up. Mm-hmm. On- from what I understand, 
he's the like that. Yeah, he's like that all the time. He's the guy who got mm-hmm. in a fight with Mike Evans in practice mm-hmm. too. So I just have this feeling that when Antonio Brown's out there, he's going to be in his ear, just full blown past the entire time. Antonio Brown might make it a series before he punches him in the face and gets it gets uh, ejected from the game. Uh, that that little guy's a pest, and I just don't think it was necessary. Uh, they have the tools already. I mean, you know, may, maybe he's good. It, he is one of the best all-time receivers, but I, I just don't know. I, th- I think it's a very unknown, and I don't think this was the week to kind of implement him because that little that little jerk is going to be all in his head. He'll probably take shots at his off-the-field stuff, all kinds of things. So. It, I don't he has know. more tools than anybody. Wouldn't Aaron Rodgers give his left nut for what Tom Brady has in Tampa? I mean, think about it. They have like four tight ends that were like. He looked good last you know, night. <laughs> they were, yeah. I mean, yeah, he did. He's the boogie But uh, <laughs> he screwed up all my parlays yeah. last Sunday. Boogie man. But yeah, they. I think that they have enough weapons where they just didn't need to add this. But, you know, that's Antonio Brown. That's the, you know, oh, I can, Bruce Arians was his OC in the glory years in Pittsburgh. And he thinks that he can control them. And I just don't see it. I think it's going to, I don't know if it's, and then Tom Brady had his little cup of coffee with him, you know, last year or whatever. So that's the, that's the thing. But I don't think they need these weapons. Plus, what do we know about wide receivers? Now, Gronk doesn't carry this late in the game, but wide receivers are divas. They want the ball. You got Mike Evans. You got Godwin, who came out of nowhere last year to be probably one of the top five receivers, probably not even arguably one of the top five receivers in the game last year. And then you got all these other guys that you're trying to get the ball to, and I just think it's going to be bad. Oh, and retract. I said Mike Evans was the guy you got in a fight with. Michael Thomas. Is the one that he oh, yeah, in yeah. practice. So, Rob, what do you think, man? You you got experience with Antonio Brown a little bit. Brown's at this point in his career, Brown's a cancer, man. When they when they announced that, everything seemed to be going right for Tampa sports when Tom Brady got there. The Bucks are good. The Rays make it to the World Series. The Rays are tied in the World Series. And then as soon as they signed Antonio Brown to the Bucks. The Rays lost the next two games, okay? The the Bucks are rolling right now, and they add Antonio Brown. Thank God the Lightning for Tampa won the NHL before Antonio Brown got to the Bucks. Either way, I don't understand it. The dude's, the dude's a cancer at this point. I think Vontez Perfect knocked his brains around too many times because before that, the dude didn't say a word. He play, He strapped it up. He played hard. He went out there. He dominated whoever was standing across from him, and you never heard anything from him. And then all of a sudden, the year after, Vontez Burfick knocked his lights out in that playoff game, or I don't even know if it was a playoff game. It was maybe a late regular season game. Either way, the dude's been a psychopath, and I don't know – to go back to Jeff's point, I heard that Bruce Arians doesn't like Antonio Brown. Yes, he coached offense while he was there, but apparently he doesn't care for him. I think this was a Brady power move. I, I don't know what Brady and Antonio Brown have going. I don't know if Antonio Brown's got something on Brady or has got some pictures of him. 
or, or whatever. But for some reason, Tom Brady vouches for Antonio Brown more than anybody I've ever seen. Maybe Gronk is the only other person Brady would vouch for more. And we know why that they have a, they have a relationship of, of almost a decade of playing with each other. I don't get the, the, the Tom Brady, Antonio Brown connection. Um, I just don't understand it. And I don't think he'll be good. And I honestly don't think he'll make it to the end of the season. He's going to do something stupid and, and probably get released. So we'll see. And also to the Pat's comment, I do think they'd probably be random. So I think they'd be a little bit better if, if they still had Brady, but I still don't think, I think they would still be struggling if they have Brady. I mean, they've, their roster is literally down to they have no playmakers on offense really for Cam to work with. Damian Harris has looked good out of the backfield now that he's getting some playing time. But other than that, Cam's got nobody to throw to. The skill guys are they stink. And I guess you can blame Belichick for that because he's the GM as well. And the Pats defense just isn't as good as they were last year. So I don't think Brady makes that much of a difference in New England this year. And I, I, I don't blame him for leaving and really picking a team that has all these weapons in the Bucks. I think it was the perfect, perfect move for him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and I think it, it, you know, Brady left when I think he got out at the right time. I think the Patriots had a run. It was good. It was probably coming to an end, you know, yep. and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that when you do it six times. Uh, it's yeah. tough to complain about that. Uh, so no, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I don't think adding Antonio Brown to any scenario, and I definitely agree with you about the Vontez perfect. Like he ruined him. Antonio yeah. Brown was like Jerry Rice before Vontez mm-hmm. perfect. He's just hardworking guy. Kept his mouth shut. Um, yeah, humble roots, low yeah. draft picks, Central Michigan, right? Eastern Ma- yeah. Michigan, Central Michigan, Chippewa. Central, yeah. Like yeah. Quite, very similar route running. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like they're. He Vontez Perfect ruined that, you know, and yeah, that's why he's probably. This is another reason to hate Vontez Perfect. Did did he? Did people in Cincinnati even like him? No, probably not. He's ever liked him. I don't. He's a douche. Yeah, I can't stand him. He he might be the biggest villain in today's. Did he end up on the Raiders on Hard Knocks last year? Did he end up in on the Raiders? Did I see him on Hard Knocks last year? I didn't watch his past Hard Knocks because no, no, no. It was, it was the it was the Chucky one two years like before yeah, last year. Yeah, I think he Raiders was. He, yeah, I think he, he did was something stupid, right? Yeah, he got yeah. released. Yeah, An idiot. So. Well, hey, we are getting extremely short on time, so we're going to move on to a segment that we do. We're going to do this every week, and I call it almost shameless, basically because it rhymed with almost famous, which is one of my favorite movies, and it. Makes sense because what we're going to do is pick just who we think will be the biggest blunder of the weekend. It could be across all sports. It doesn't matter. Um, It doesn't even have to be sports. It could be pop culture reference, what have you. And I'm going to go with, well, I almost reverted back to Tampa Bay for signing Antonio Brown after this recent conversation. But I'm going to go with Mississippi State and Mike Leach. You know, I think – yeah, it's Mississippi State Vanderbilt. The argument for Mississippi State being better in Ole Miss is they Ole Miss has got to play Vanderbilt and Mississippi State hasn't. I think Vanderbilt could surprise Mississippi State this weekend and 
their whole world comes crashing down. I think Mississippi State might be the worst team in the SEC right next to Vanderbilt. I think they're that bad. I think they've scored 30 points over the past four games. Like they And for Mike Leach not being able to put the ball in the end zone, what's Mike Leach good for if he can't do that? So I'm going to say Mississippi State falls to Vanderbilt this weekend, and it's just – it's even more downhill than it's already been. Okay. I don't hate it. I'm interested to watch that game. I, some teams have struggled with Vandy this year. I think Texas A&M only scored mm -hmm. 12 points against them. So, you know, Vanderbilt doesn't have much, and I think they had a lot of guys opt out. But they've, they've been scrappy under Derek Mason. They don't give up. So it could be interesting. It's my sneaky, bad, good game of the weekend. So, but I'm going to say Mississippi State just falls on their face. Mike Leach looks like an idiot and has to come up with some kind of after-the-game excuse, which should be interesting, as it always is. Um, uh, Jeff, I'll go to you next. Uh, I'm going to go with <laughs> the <laughs> – the Shameless, he loves Shameless, the, the TV show on uh, Showtime. It's going to be Leo. Leo is going to be <laughs> the boner of the week. He's got the big Leo the Leprechaun, my, my college roommate that lives extremely over, drunk college over behind the uh, Hoot Scoots off of Harding Park or Harding Place. He has got a big weekend. It might as well be his birthday weekend because <laughs> he's got, he asked me why he couldn't play in the golf out, and I'm like, because you'd be too drunk. <laughs> like the whole weekend and you'll never make it to to the bears game once every eight years you have to wear a mask they are on you like clocks like like uh white on rice and he has the notre dame clemson game he's going to get plastered and his first sip of alcohol on sunday morning is going to just put him over the edge i said he's he's got the mask is going to help him and it's supposed to be like 76 and sunny so maybe the sunglasses, the mask, he's going to get into the game, but he's going to get kicked out before like the first quarter's over. I mean, I think we should set up over under on when Leo gets kicked out. I, I'm going to bet the house that he gets kicked out before halftime. So that's <laughs> going to be my Leo is my my shameless, you know, because he's going to blow his he's going to be so excited and then he's going to get kicked out and he's going to be so sad. He'll be passed out for the rest yeah. of the weekend. No, I, I like that. And Rob, you're going to get to meet Leo eventually because we we plan on doing a segment just about Leo's drunk life. It's I've got a selfie stick absurd. that I'm going to give him. I found a selfie stick. <laughs> uh, apparently it was like Natalie's sister's selfie stick or something. I'm giving it to Leo to do his segment before he gets the GoPro. But yeah, he's going to have drunk like an Irishman segment <laughs> where he reviews the Notre Dame games. So I'll start it. I'll be with him watching the game on Saturday. Drinking what is it, McGillicuddy's Irish whiskey? No, McGillicuddy's. <laughs> what's that? McGillicuddy's is menthol, like what's, Jameson. What's, yeah, no, but I thought he he drank like a knockoff version of it. Oh, oh, Patty's. Patty's, <laughs> the cheap alternative. Yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> He's a trip. Robo, what you got, man? I'm gonna go quick. My phone is getting close to dying. Um, but anyway, I'm going to say Kirby Smart. I'm going to go with Kirby. I don't understand why he's not pulling the trigger on 
the QB situation, I, I don't get it. I'm hoping, at least for his sake, that JT Daniels just still really can't move on that knee because they have no explosiveness with Stetson Bennett. Mm-hmm. And Florida, Florida's defense has struggled, but they still got gigantic guys on the defensive line that can put their arms up and knock down his passes. So I think I'm going with Kirby. I think it's a huge blunder not to move on from Bennett. He's going to get – if they lose, he's going to get off the hook because they're missing those defensive guys we talked about earlier. But I'm going with Kirby. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's been a monster since he's got to Georgia. He's gotten them back. They're in the mix. They've made a national championship. They win the East every year. Most of the time he's been there. He's had trouble winning some of the big games later in the season. And I think we can at least go back in history and look and see that he's got to make a move because we saw what happened with Mark Rick. Mark Rick had all this momentum. I think their records are very similar throughout this point in time in their career at Georgia. And he's got to do something and make a move to get himself over the top. And sticking with Stetson Bennett is not going to do it. And so the only way I'll retract this is if there really is something wrong with JT Daniels. Because I don't think you can get on him for not wanting to play Dewan Mathis because Dewan Mathis looked like he didn't belong on, you know, I don't even know, the worst college football team. team. (laughs) Yeah, the worst college football team in the nation you know, that first half against Arkansas. So Kirby Smart's my pick because he's going to stick with Stetson. And I think Florida's going to score too much. Georgia's not going to be able to keep up with him. And unfortunately for my fiance and other friends <laughs> and UGA alumni, Georgia's going to get beat this week. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, so this, like I said, this segment we'll do every week. Tuesday we'll come back and hopefully make fun of all these people that we already thought were going to fuck up. And uh, hopefully I have some good stories from Leo. I'll be, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get to see some of it in person, which. You might be sitting with him. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll have to carry him over my shoulder. But yeah, so that is the Village Idiot podcast for the week. Uh, we'll come back Tuesday with another draft. We'll figure out what we're going to do over the weekend and get you some good content. Uh, y'all check out the villageidiotpv.com. And that's us for the week. Peace. Later.